0: O-U-T-D-O-O-R and the number one. Lastly, many outdoorsmen are trying to quit tobacco altogether and Fully Loaded Chew may be that first step. For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast where you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight because here we go. You guys have no idea how much self-restraint it took to edit that little clip down, and not just throw the entire five-minute, ten-second-long song in there. Because I love that song; it jacks me up, and it's my it's my hunting season song. Like I listen to that in the mornings, you know, headed to the tree stand. It helps wake me up. It gets me going. And I hope it did that for you. I hope that you guys just somehow. You know, I know the opening weekend already passed, but I hope maybe somehow it came on the radio on accident or something, or maybe when you're listening to it now, you get that excitement again because it's hunting time. It is. It's here. It's, it's almost everywhere. I think just, just about every state in the country opens October 1st. I know there's a few holdouts that wait till like October 15th or something like that, but luckily Oklahoma's not one of them. So it's time to hunt. I hope you guys had a great uh, opening weekend as you're listening to this. Hopefully, you got to go out there and do some hunting. As I've mentioned before, I did not. Um, I Actually, as you're listening to this, I'm probably on my way home from Idaho from uh, the wedding I'm going to. Um, but, you know, I was with you guys in spirit, and uh, I'm going to get out there this coming weekend. And so, yeah, I I can't wait. It's here. It's yeah, it's that's I'm going to stop saying that, but it's just very exciting. So, uh yeah, we got a good one lined up for you today. We're kind of back on the whitetail topic as now that it's deer season. We're going to talk to uh, a great native Oklahoman and uh we're going to talk about some deer hunts, but real quick before we get to that, um I got a interesting question through Instagram this week that I thought I might as well just kind of answer on here because it's, you know, it's a topic that comes up a lot and um i don't know i just thought i'd give you guys my two cents and that is the topic of the moon the moon and whether or not it affects deer movement is one of the more you know hotly debated topics out there in the hunting industry um you got experts on both sides of it you got hunters on both sides of it and so i'm going to give you my little two uh two sec- well, it's going to be more than two seconds but my two cents would be a a better term not two seconds um so, I've done a lot of research on this. I've listened to a lot of people talk about it. You know, one of uh one of the leading uh deer biologists out there, Dr. Grant Woods out of Missouri, um you know, he's looked at several scientific studies and uh you know, a lot of them weren't necessarily done for the moon specifically, but you know, looking at collared deer studies and their movement, you know, they've kind of been able to go back and look at those in relation to the moon and According to him, like the science is just not there according to the science. And again, you know, you're talking thousands of deer over, you know, course of years wearing radio collared. There's just no correlation with the moon according to those studies. And, uh, the last time I heard him talk about it, I believe he referred to two different studies. Um, man, I, I better not say the States. I'm pretty sure I know what States they were, uh, but it was in two different States, two different locations, uh, you know, two, two different collared deer studies, And according to him, there just was no scientific um, proof that deer or that the moon affected deer movement. But then you got guys on the other side of the spectrum. Uh, You know, a lot of you have probably heard of the moon guide, Adam Hayes. Um, Adam Hayes did not actually invent it, but he owns it now, the moon guide. And I think he has killed now four 200 inch plus deer uh, using the moon guide. And for those of you who've never heard of the moon guide, it's a little dial. And, uh, it has a calendar on it and basically you spin it to that day. And it basically tells you or predicts deer movement for that day. So it'll tell you, you know, bad. Okay. Good. Um, it tells you the times. So, uh, the, you know, this is like a giant 10,000 foot view of how the moon affects deer or how they say, They talk about overhead and underfoot. So when the moon is directly above us and when it's directly below us. And it lists the times that that is happening on that moon guide. And that is supposed to be kind of, you know, peak movement for deer that day. And uh, so you kind of got both sides of it. Um, You know, uh, the argument for it is that, you know, the moon affects the oceans. Um, You know, most people believe that it affects fish, you know, when they feed and everything. And so it's not that far-fetched to be like, oh, like, you know, it affects deer also. Um, you know, so, I, you know, I mentioned Adam Hayes. Uh, who else? Don Higgins is a, is a pretty big believer in the moon. Uh, the Drury's, obviously. Um, and I kind of fall into Don's uh, belief of it. I think it's, it's an addition. It, and most people will say that. I, I believe even Adam Hayes says that, you know, the moon is just an additional factor. Weather is going to trump moon. Um, but it can help, you know, like if you got two cold days, the moon is bad one day and the moon is good the other day, go hunt that moon day because it's just another thing in your favor. Now, me personally, whether I actually believe, you know, whether the moon affects, uh, movement or not, and, uh, I'm going to kind of use the crappy answer of it depends. And I, I don't mean that in like a weird way. It depends on the time of day or whatever like that. I truly believe that it affects deer differently in different places like i I think some deer are uh what's the word i'm looking for some deer are affected by it more than others and here's the reason i say that again like i've you know i've listened to a lot of hunters you know talk about this over the years you got this guy in this state who is a huge believer in the moon you know andre de uh up in illinois or wisconsin i'm sorry um or well, now he lives in Iowa. Anyway, he's from up there. You know, he's a huge believer in the moon. Uh, again, you know, you got Dr. Grant Woods in Missouri. He doesn't think the moon affects it at all. Um, you got the juries in the Midwest. They believe in the moon. I've heard you know people in Alabama. Some do, some don't. I truly think that um, you know when this when whitetail were almost extinct, you know, hundred years ago. And they took deer from all these different places and shipped them all over the country to restock deer populations. I think that they took deer, you know, some deer in some area were more affected by it. Some deer in other area were not. And then as they, you know, repopulated the country with deer from all over the place, I think you wound up with pockets, you know, if they took deer from a place where it affected them more, their offsprings, wherever they are now are more affected by it. Same thing, uh, you know, with the deer who are not affected by it, if you, if they came from a place where it wasn't as effective, moved them somewhere else, they're probably still not as effective. The reason I say that, and the reason I believe that, and again, this is not scientific. This is just kind of my thought. Um, you know, we, I've been hunting for the last couple years, two different properties. They are 30 miles apart and the deer behavior and movement on these two properties is completely different. Um, you know, the, the rut is, I'm going to say at least two weeks different, like the peak of the rut. Um, you know, I get action, um, in late October, early November on one. And then the other one, I don't see, you know, good rutting activity till like rifle season, like the week of Thanksgiving. Um, and, and, uh, so one time back to the moon, uh, I was, uh, on Instagram and uh, I was actually riding up to our property with my dad, and, uh, I remember seeing a post and somebody had taken a picture of their moon guide and whatever day it was like that day that they posted, it, it was the, the red moon day, like the best moon day. And the, and the post was like, Hey, you know, moon day, they're going to be moving blah, blah, blah. And it, it wasn't even deer season yet. It was during the summer. I think it was August. And, uh, I remember seeing that post and kind of being like, ah, oh, like, you know, that's interesting or whatever. Well, that evening, uh, you know, I had a couple text cams up. And that evening, about 30, 45 minutes before dark, my tech scams start blowing up and all of them are mature deer in daylight. Um, And uh, then like I went and checked cards like uh, the next day and was kind of going back. And on one property, I had, I think uh, if I remember right, it was six mature bucks all in daylight on that one property. Went to the other property pulled all the cards and i want to say i got like one that came close to dark uh you know like it, was, it wasn't it was light um it was basically right after dark and then night pictures and so that's part of the reason i you know i'm saying that i believe what i believe because i feel like the deer on that one property were in fact uh affected by that moon because i hadn't been getting any daylight photos and then the day that they posted that moon guide thing I, um, I saw a bunch of daylight activity. And so I will say I went home and I ordered a moon guide. And, uh, this was like, I don't know, two or three years ago. And, uh, and so I've, I've ordered a moon guide the last couple of years. I haven't gotten one this year, at least yet. Um, because again, kind of going back to, you know, I think Don Higgins preaches, this is like it, yes, I think it is a added benefit, But it's not going to change whether or not I go hunting, you know, if there's a cold front coming in and I think it's going to be good hunting, I'm going to go hunting whether the moon says I should or not, you know, and, you know, I I do have the uh, deer cast app from the juries and, you know, they list the moon on there. And if I, you know, look at the app and it says it's a good or great day or whatever, and I just so happen to notice the moon, I'm like, oh, well, that's cool. But I'm not like, oh, this says the moon is coming. I have to make all these special plans. Like most likely I'm going to be hunting anyway. And so, so yeah, so to kind of wrap it up, I rambled a little bit, but uh, hopefully that was informative. I do think there is something to the moon. I, I don't think you should bet the farm on it. Um, but I think that it is something else to look at, you know, if you are trying to plan your vacation, you know, months in advance, you know, you can't look ahead at the weather and be like, oh, well, there's going to be a cold front this week, but you can look ahead and look at those moon phases. And so, you know, it's something that can maybe help you, uh, you know, plan something a little further in advance and just kind of hope. And again, let's say you plan it, uh, with the moon and it just so happens to be a cold front. Awesome. If no cold front is there. Well, you know, maybe the moon will help you out a little bit since you already blocked that time off from work or whatever. So so that's my two cents on the moon. Hope you all enjoyed that. Take it as you will. Uh, again, not scientific. That is just uh, my two cents from, I don't know, I've, I've been running trail cameras for probably 13 years now, something like that. And so that's just what I've seen and what I've experienced. And uh, we'll move on. We'll leave it at that. So today on the podcast, I am talking to taylor jones and taylor works at oklahoma-based out on a limb uh, tree stands which i got to see them at the uh, one nation show and i think everybody should go check them out if you are looking for a lightweight mobile stand it does not get any more lightweight than that i mean these things weigh nothing they are awesome um so look them up out on a limb uh we don't talk about him much uh other than the fact that Taylor works there um but go check them out and uh yeah get Taylor on he killed a stud of a deer last year in uh in Kansas and then he's already done some hunting in Nebraska this year uh i think he oh, he made a trip somewhere else this year i think he i think he's made one trip to Kansas uh but was unsuccessful and uh man he is a hunting fool he hunts Oklahoma, obviously, uh, Kansas, Illinois. And like I said, this year went to Nebraska. So if you're looking for a guy who, uh, you know, might know a thing or two about deer, this is the guy. So hope you guys, uh, enjoy it. It's a great story. Uh, just kind of a good old fashioned story session. And so yeah, I'm going to stop rambling. I'm going to get this thing finished up, sent off, and I hope you guys have a fantastic deer season. This is my overall good luck. Uh, happy hunting for everyone! Um, follow me this year, and uh, I'm going to try to you know keep you guys updated on Instagram and Facebook. Um, again, going to try to take some cameras, camera gear along this year. Maybe do some YouTube videos. Definitely not going to do them every week, but uh, you know maybe a couple throughout the season. So, all right, I'm going to quit rambling. I think I already said that. And uh, here is my interview with Taylor Jones. Hey everybody, welcome to the show today, and today I'm talking to Taylor Jones. How you doing, Taylor? Pretty good. Good, very good. Enjoying the nice, a uh, little bit cooler weather today? Yeah,
1: it's just about a week early, though.
0: <laughs> I know it. I thought the same thing. <laughs> Stepped out this morning, that cool north wind, and uh yeah, just needs a, about 10 days later, so uh awesome. But you've already got to do a little hunting, though, so I'm already jealous of you. <laughs>
1: yeah, i Get around a little bit early. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. You've already been to Nebraska and Kansas, correct? Yep. Went to
1: Nebraska September 1 to start out the year and then headed to Kansas last weekend and just do a little weekend trip. Mm
0: -hmm. Awesome. Very cool, man. Well, I'm very jealous. So, But uh, before we get too far into the hunting stuff, why don't you just give us a quick little rundown of uh, who you are, where you're from, and all that good stuff.
1: I'm Taylor Jones. I'm from northwest Oklahoma, a small town called Ringwood. I grew up here since I was, shoot, I think I've lived here since I was three. Mm -hmm. So, been here a while. Kind of grew up hunting around here on a family farm. Started uh, bow hunting whenever I was 14-ish. Just started with whatever I had to get my hands on mm-hmm. at that time. Just ready to dive in. And it was quite a learning curve. Because <laughs> no one really in my family bow hunted. And my uncle just so happened to have a couple bows in his garage. And he said, "Here, here's some arrows. Had some just aluminum arrows. Never had the draw length set to what we needed or anything. We just started Shooting at a square bell.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Then from there, it kind of progressed. Slowly but surely, started getting a little better equipment. And now, I happen to spend quite a bit of time in the wood. <laughs> yep, yep. And uh, and you work uh,
0: in the industry, correct? Yes,
1: I work for Out right on the Limb. We build tree stands, saddle platforms, climbing sticks. Oh, mainly we sell a lot of saddle platforms and climbing sticks.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I, um, I hadn't heard of you guys. I, I saw you and met you in the booth, uh, at the one nation show. And, uh, man, like, you want to talk about a lightweight stand. <laughs> um, you know, I have a, I think it's a lone wolf assault and, uh, you all stand just blows it out of the water when it comes to lightweight. And so I was really impressed. Oklahoma based company. Uh, where exactly is that company out of?
1: We're out of Enid, Oklahoma. Okay.
0: Gotcha. Awesome. Awesome. So yeah, I just, I wanted to give those guys a shout out. Um, yeah, if you're out there listening, check them out out on a limb uh i follow y'all on social media now Uh, i'm sure y'all have a website um yeah
1: out on the limb manufacturing.com
0: yep awesome awesome well cool man well um you know we've been talking on social media for a while and like i said i got to meet you at the show and um you were saying that you'd love to come on and talk about a buck you killed in kansas last year and, uh, I'm learning more and more as I do this. You, uh, you northern Oklahoma folks really like to go across that border and hunt Kansas. So I'm also <laughs> jealous of that. Um, so, uh, but yeah, why don't you, uh, tell us a little bit about it? Just start at the beginning and, and work your way through. Yeah, we got
1: probably 2000 acres of land that's family ground and lease ground and southeast Kansas. And I usually take a trip up in November and just spend a week up there. And I pulled in the gate the first day of the my week vacation up there. And there was a buck bedded down with a doe. And I could tell he was a dang good deer. And I went and just went about my business on the four-wheeler, went ahead and checked the cameras and everything. And I came back through, and I realized he was a really good deer. And that I didn't have any pictures of him ever. And so all I did, I drove back. To my truck at our cabin, put on my camouflage, took my four wheeler back out there, and tried to stalk on this deer. And I got close. I actually shot and missed over him mm. the first day. And what he did was, I ranged him at 30, and then a buck came behind me and was grunting. Mm. And he got up and started swaying his head back and forth and started to try to fight this little deer. But I forgot to take into consideration he was walking towards me, and I shot him for 30, and he Mm. was 20.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. And the
1: next day, I seen him from the truck. The wind was wrong to get in the stand where he was, so I just sat back in glass for that afternoon. Then, I believe the next day is whenever he bedded in a thicket that I could hook around on and try to stalk him again.
0: Now, I hold got on real bowing. quick. You said you saw him on day two, right? He was just in a spot you couldn't get to him? Or you just didn't want to hunt yeah. where close to him? Okay.
1: He was in a spot that was tough to get in with the wind, but on the way it was. Gotcha. Okay, sorry. Back to day three. Day three, I, the wind was still wrong, so I pulled up on the hill and was glassing, and he went into bed in a little bitty brush pile and luckily i could slip around with the wind this time and i got into 40 yards and he he was asleep (laughs) and but tucked up in a brush pile like it's a shaped like a c so he was up in the very nook of it and there was three trails that came out of it one on each end and one that went straight away and I was 40 yards from him for probably two and a half hours before he actually got up and moved.
0: Mm.
1: And he ended up taking the only trail that I could not shoot.
0: <laughs> Gosh, I can't imagine. As they do most of the time. Yeah, I can't imagine sitting there for two hours and uh, and then not getting a shot. So I've I've yeah. asked this question to somebody in the past when you, you know, get up on the buck, you get, you know, as far as you think you can get and you're just kind of sitting there waiting for him to make a move. What are you doing? Your, like, you know, I feel like I would want to be, you know, on my knees or, you know, in a shooting position. Cause I feel like you need to be ready at any time, but also like my legs would fall asleep if I sat there for two hours. So what, like, I know this is kind of a weird question, but like what were you doing with your body in this two hours where you're just sitting there watching him?
1: <laughs> well, I can, move positions once or twice to try to get just a little bit better spot mm-hmm. to be prepared for him to come out but i got on my knees for a little bit and then they started to fall asleep and then i went and just sat on my butt then it got sore, <laughs> and i go back on my knees i just couldn't get comfortable for that long mm-hmm. just to sit there yeah
0: And I definitely was snacking, I will say that. Yeah. And were you, like, were you in some cover or were you just kind of in tall grass, like kind of out in the Mm. open or like, you know, could you, did you feel like you could move around a little bit?
1: Yeah. I was kind of in like a plump, I get ish with some tall grass surrounding it. Gotcha. Gotcha.
0: Mm. Okay. So, uh, so he escaped you that time.
1: Yeah and then do you you think you
0: busted him at all? Like I mean do you think he smelled you or he just picked that direction and worked out or turned out to not be the right one? He
1: I don't think he knew I was there, but he knew something was up. Mm -hmm. He didn't run, but he definitely was not gonna stick around too that long. Gotcha. Then the next day was a cold front came through, and I had a stand in, because this property is just like 600 acres of grass and 10 acres of wood, and it's just a little bitty creek bottom that they run in November, and I had a stand tucked up in there, and one of the only trees you can get in, and I had a bunch of little deer come through, and then around noon, my Ozonics died. And so I ran to the truck and grabbed my spare battery. I got back in the stand. I sat down, and my phone dinged with trail camera pictures from my cell camera from that spot. Mm. I started going through it, and by the time I walked out and walked back, he was in there, came through (laughs) with a doe, and went back.
0: Oh, man.
1: (laughs) So I was like 10 minutes from shooting the deer. That like at noon. So mm-hmm. mm. I knew he was in that area, so I wasn't too discouraged. And I just climbed up in the tree, got set back up. And then about four o'clock, I seen a couple does come out and they were acting a little skittish looking behind them. And then I seen him come out of the thicket and the does couldn't have walked a straighter line to the base of the tree. And they actually got there so quick, I didn't even have my bow up off the hangar. And he came chasing right in behind them. And he got to the base of the tree, and I couldn't do anything because I couldn't get my bow up without blowing the does out. So I had to wait on him to get... He got out to 40 yards and started making a scrape and a rub on a little plump thick hit bush and then i was able to get my bow up finally because the nose went off in front of him and then i got this i had just a little bitty opening to squeeze an arrow through and i had to lean down awkwardly to get it through there but if he would have took another step he would have been out of my life and Mm -hmm. luckily he stayed put just long enough for me to slip an arrow through and I got to watch him fall. He only ran probably 100 yards-ish.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Now, I, I do have another question, but I'll, but first, why don't you go ahead and kind of, you know, talk about walking up on the deer, describe him, you know, caliber uh, buck and everything like that real quick.
1: Yeah. Whenever I walked up to him, he was definitely bigger than what I thought. I was thinking a mid-150 deer, and... I got up to him. He had a curly Q point off of his main beam on one side and he was a mainframe five by six with two kickers off of his bases. He scored right over 160. Nice. Very nice. All
0: right. So I got to go back to my previous question that I thought of. Um, so, you know, you get back to your stand, your phone dings, you got a picture of him. You know that he just walked through there and you obviously are not. you know, afraid to get aggressive, you know, you've already tried to stalk him twice. Did it run through your mind? Hey, maybe I should go in there after him. Or, I mean, obviously you made a good decision to, to wait him out and it worked out for you. But was there a moment there where you like, maybe I should try to get in there and go after him on the ground?
1: Yeah, I was, cause I knew he was there, but again, this is kind of just a few trees and it was a little bit of a tough area where I thought he was better at. Hmm to get to... Uh, it was gotcha. just a little tough and yeah. I didn't want to push him too much because it was still only day three out of
0: my week that I was going to be up there. That's true. Gotcha. Gotcha. I just had to run that by you. Just you know, test you out a little bit. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, And then I, I had uh, two questions here that I meant to ask before we got into the story. I, I wanted to talk about Kansas just a little bit because... You know, I I I was supposed to go there this year, ended up kind of chickening out, not buying the tag. I've had other people on who uh, hunt there. Um, you know, like you said, you have some family land. So do you all get landowner tags, or do you have to put in for the draw? We have landowner tags. Okay, gotcha. Because so, uh, I was going to ask kind of how. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask kind of how hard it was to draw a tag. Because um, it seems like there's a lot of people who go, you know, pretty much every year um but i've also heard from other people that's kind of getting harder and you know a lot of people are saying that uh you know used to you could get a tag every year now it's kind of turned into every other year and so i was just curious if you knew anything about that but uh you know if y'all get landowner tags that's obviously awesome and you get to go every year so
1: yeah yeah very fortunate
0: yeah and then this one also kind of it doesn't make as much sense now that I know that y'all own land in there, but I was going to, I was kind of wondering, like, you know, if you're driving from, you know, Western Oklahoma to Eastern Kansas, like do you ever try to go to Western Kansas and, you know, maybe into like the mule deer areas or anything like that, or do you pretty much just stick to your family land?
1: We used to have permission on a, like 6,000 acres in Western Kansas, but it was just all over the ground. It was really tough to hunt. So we just kind of stayed to our family ground. Gotcha, gotcha.
0: I definitely don't blame you there. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, a little bit of history always helps. Yeah, for sure. On a property. For sure.
0: Well, awesome, man. So that was one of your bucks from 2020. And, um, yeah. you know, I just mentioned mule deer, and we got some time here. So why don't you tell everybody about your uh, hunt in Nebraska this year?
1: Well, me and my brother have started out last year. We went up. We didn't have any luck. We got close on a couple muleys in the sand hills, mm-hmm. and this year we went back up, and there was way more pressure this year than what there was last year. Not a hundred percent sure why, because we went the same time, mm-hmm. but just for some reason there was fifteen twenty people compared to last year. We ran into one other
0: group of people. Hmm. Same area.
1: Yeah, same hmm. area. We yeah. actually were in
0: the exact same
1: spot hmm. Hmm. That's, and,
0: that's interesting because I've i been kind of wondering if you know we're just now kind of getting to the point where we can figure it out Like I felt like last year a lot of places had more pressure and I, I thought it was due to COVID uh, like we went elk hunting in Idaho last year and there was just people everywhere and I don't know if people like because they didn't have anything to do or like getting back into hunting or you know maybe they were working from home and it was easier for them to get away and went hunting or something like that. But So I've been kind of curious if, like, this year you're going to see more pressure or if last year was kind of a fluke. But it doesn't sound like that's the case where you guys were.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was kind of odd. There was a ton of people. Hmm. We pulled in the night before opening day because we learned a lot last year, and that kind of led us to this year. And we were eating dinner. And we had like a 160 muley walk through our camp pretty much as we were eating dinner the night before opening. And I think that jinxed us a little bit. Because mm. after that, it was tough seeing a deer. Mm. We probably seen 20 deer this year, and last year we seen 20 deer in the first night. Mm. So it did not, I think we jinxed ourselves seeing that first deer at camp. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, gotcha.
0: He was probably passing y'all, headed south to, towards Kansas as y'all headed north towards Nebraska. So,
1: <laughs> Yeah, yep. And opening day, we seen three or four bucks, just nothing still in velvet. That was kind of our goal, if we were going to shoot something just a little bit smaller. We were wanting to make sure it was in velvet. And there was a couple smaller deer that were out of velvet that maybe later in the hunt we were interested in. And then we started getting into a lot of people. People started hunting around us, and every time you went up on a glassing knob, you seen other guys glassing from somewhere else. So we kind of rode off the rest of that day, just trying to find a place where there wasn't anyone. And we moved camp. Then day three, or two, I guess, we didn't see any deer hardly at all. I think we seen just a few does, and... That was about it for that day.
0: Now, were y'all, pretty... were y'all in an area where there was whitetail and mule deer or just mule deer?
1: Yeah, there was both. Hmm. We see there's a few pockets of timber, and that's where the whitetail like to hang out from what we've found yeah. out. Mm-hmm. And we weren't far off of a river, and there's a ton of whitetail down on the river, but we were trying to shoot a mule deer yeah. mainly. And then day three came, and day three is whenever I shot mine, and we split up this time, and I was glassing over a plump, ticket, and I walked over a hill, and I jumped a pretty decent white tail buck out of a little clump of trees. So then I was discouraged, so I walked about another half a mile and thought maybe eventually I could get on him after he settles down a little bit. And I was glassing and glassing, and... I looked off towards where the sun was coming up, and there happened to be a couple does, mule deer does, so I was watching them for a little bit. And then the one that I ended up actually shooting popped up with those does, and they were probably roughly two miles away from where I was at. And I was two miles from a truck, so <laughs> it was quite a hike to get over there. And then I, they bedded in a little plump thicket, And I didn't necessarily know where they were bedded in the plump thicket, so I kind of creeped up over the top of the hill and was glassing. And then i seen one of the does, so I backed out, circled around the hill to get a little bit closer to where they were. And I crawled up on the hill, and I was figuring I'd be about 60 yards from where they're the furthest trail that they'd probably come out at. And so I just sat there, and I was laying on my belly, crawling up to a yucca, and then I seen a coyote come over the hill on top, and he was heading into the thicket. So then I hurried up and got to the yucca and got my bow and got an arrow knocked because he was headed into the thicket where the deer were. Mm-hmm. And I seen the does jump out and start running up the hill, and then the buck that I ended up shooting came out below where the does were. And ran out to about sixty yards, and I got him to stop. And I got an arrow and I shot him. I hit him a little bit back and a little low, so I was pretty discouraged until I got up over the hill and seen him bedded down.
0: Mm. That's
1: awesome. Man, luck, very convenient. Yeah, I got, I got very lucky yeah. that he just went down over the next hill and bedded down. And then I got I had to stock up and got. Yeah, to 40 yards from him and then got another heroin and finally he didn't go five yards if that
0: awesome very awesome nice man and he was uh he was in full velvet right
1: yep full velvet he was just a four point but Mm -hmm. it was definitely a hard hunt i think we walked 36 miles in the three days we were there (laughs) that i was hunting
0: yeah that's some walking that's for sure I'm sure it wasn't Hill. completely flat either.
1: Oh no. Those <laughs> rolling hills are deceiving. Yeah. Very deceiving. Yeah. They don't look bad from the truck, but once you start going up and down and up and down and up and down, it's pretty rough.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So cool little forky, uh, mule deer. I gotta ask you this though. Just, I don't know, just curious because I don't know what I would do either. Let's say that, uh, little mule deer was standing right next to a 130 inch whitetail. Which one would you pick? The whitetail would have got it. <laughs> you would expect the whitetail. <laughs> you wouldn't have yep. just uh, done it for the heck of getting a mule deer? No, there's
1: something about a whitetail that just has me going. Yeah, gotcha. My brother thinks I'm crazy.
0: hmm Man, when I, when I lived in Idaho, uh, I think it was maybe the first year, first or second year, I got to hunt, like, um, when I was in college. And a buddy of mine were up hunting, and we were actually hunting elk mostly, but we had elk tags and uh deer tags, and they were both open, and it was opening day. And we had heard a bull bugling. We were kind of, you know, following the bugles, and we pop over a Little Rise, and there's two mule deer forkies sitting there. And my buddy's just all, he's nudging me. He's like, oh, like, like let's do one, two, three, let's do one, two, three. And I was like, I'm not shooting that thing, like opening day. And, uh, but you know what? I lived in Idaho for five years and to this day, I've never killed a mule deer. And that, you know, that was my chance. I could have got one. So that's, that's kind of what made me think of the question. Uh, cause yeah, I don't, I don't know which one I would pick, you know? Uh, so yeah. Well, cool, man. So let's see here. So you obviously live and hunt in Oklahoma. You're, uh, you already been, you've already tagged out in Nebraska. You have Kansas tags. And then I think you mentioned you also go to Illinois. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I picked up a lease this year in kind of southeastern or southwestern Illinois.
0: Mm. Man, you are a busy man. (laughs) What is it? So, I mean, you you get two buck tags in Oklahoma. Uh, Is it just one in Kansas? Yep, one One, buck tag in Kansas. One in Kansas, one one in Nebraska. Nebraska. You just get one in Illinois? I thought you got two there. I have
1: this. I'm only gonna have one. Gotcha, gotcha. My wife is gonna hunt two, so I'm with you. Gotcha. If I shoot one, I'll be happy.
0: Yeah, yeah. That'll work on her getting one. I think I would be too. <laughs> well, cool, man. Well, um, yeah, I guess that's gonna do it for us. And uh, unless you got any other cool stories, you want to throw out there real quick? Uh, not really. Not really. I got a bunch uh, of stories, but <laughs> I bet you do. I bet you do. Well, cool, man. Well, uh, I'm going to wish you the best of luck this year. And, uh, you know, if you hit another slammer, get another slammer this year, give me a call, and uh, we'll have you back on.
1: Yeah, I'm actually waiting on October 1st. I got a really good deer that's been pretty regular.
0: Awesome. Here in Oklahoma?
1: Yep, I'm on one of my leases west out in the western part. Gotcha.
0: Gotcha. Very cool, man. Yeah, I had some that were uh getting pretty regular uh and then the feeder pin broke and the hogs got in and I haven't got a <laughs> single buck picture since the hogs got in. So, good have to mess up. A lot. Oh man, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. So, well, uh Taylor, I appreciate you coming on and I hope you have a good rest of your day. Yeah, you too. All right, see you next time. There we go. And you know, it just hit me. I didn't think about this while we were recording, but uh, Taylor's hunt uh, for his mule deer this year. That is the first successful hunt story that we've had on the podcast this year. So congratulations, Taylor. You accidentally became first. If I had a hat, I would send it to you. But uh, yeah, and for all you people listening, I think I uh, mentioned this a week or two ago. If you have some success opening weekend, please, please, please reach out to me because I would love to have you on the podcast and hear about how you did it. So uh, I think I mentioned I've never been a very good early season hunter. I think the earliest I've ever killed a mature buck is October 26th. So if you've beaten my record... Hit me up and tell me how you did it, and you can help us all out. So that's going to do it for this week, folks. Really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed Taylor coming on. And I cannot wait to hear some more stories from you guys. And I can't wait to hopefully tell you guys some of my stories. And so it's that time of year. Reach out to me, uh, Instagram, Facebook, email whatever it is hit me up i'd love to have some more of you guys on and tell your stories out there that's why i'm doing this i just want to spread the love of hunting and fishing and recreating and everything else in oklahoma so i love you guys thank y'all for listening and i will talk to you guys next week